Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Seminary and Table Talk once again. Um, we are your hosts. My name is Jaron Summers. And I am Thomas Johnston. And we are two uh, Masters of Divinity students at Trinity Lutheran Seminary. Today, we have a very special episode for you. We are asking the question, what is Lutheranism? Yeah, Jaron, so when um, somebody asked you, um, be it a parishioner, be it uh, a friend of yours, what is Lutheranism? What is your response? And also, what are some common responses when somebody asks, what is Lutheranism or what is a Lutheran? Usually my response to what is Lutheranism is Lutheranism is a branch of Christianity that follows the theology started by Martin Luther and later codified by his fellow reformers like Philip Melanchthon, among others. However, if you were to ask the average layperson who is Lutheran, what is Lutheranism? I would assume you would get a different answer from every single um, layperson. For example, if you were to go to um, the church that I'm working at and ask a layperson what is Lutheranism, they might say, well, Lutheranism is defined by our music. We love the pipe organ. Or you might hear theology of the cross thrown in there or justify justification by faith through grace. I mean, yeah, by justification by faith through grace and among other things, um, you'll hear uh, almost something different from every single layperson, I think. What, what would you say if someone asked you what is Lutheranism? Well, in addition, to, in addition to what you mentioned earlier, that is a theology centered from Martin Luther and codified by his followers, I would say um, Lutheranism is very broad. It's very wide. Lutheranism, um, as we'll find out in later episodes, um, Lutheranism has, um, takes on different, there's, there's a baseline of Lutheranism, like the basic theology, but Lutheranism kind of takes on um, different forms when it interacts with different cultures. So I'd say Lutheran's, Lutheranism is very broad. It has the same table that it's, um, it has the same umbrella that it follows the theology of Martin Luther. However, Lutheranism takes um, different forms in different cultures. Um, and speaking of that, um, Jaron, what are some topics we're going to be talking about today relating to Lutheranism and Lutheran, Lutheran theology? Well, we, we have some really great topics that we're going to be talking about. And I just want to uh, caveat that by saying that we will dive into all of these separately in their own episodes in the future, but we're going to touch on them today. Um, topics such as justification, uh, sacraments, confessions, and uh, law and promise as well. And we're going to be diving into those because usually one or all of those will come up when you're talking to a Lutheran about what is Lutheranism and what makes Lutheranism so special. And um, I think we should start off with what I think is when someone asks me what is Lutheranism, this is what immediately comes to my head. And that is justification. The Lutheran mm -hmm. doctrine of justification is to me um, the most important aspect of being a Lutheran. I don't, I don't know if you would agree with that. Or... Oh, no, I, I, I would agree with that. Um, so yeah, um, so Jaron, walk us through um, in, in, a, in a very um, broad way, because as you mentioned, we're going to be talking about justification in our later episodes. Um, but what is the doctrine of justification according to the Lutheran Church? Yeah, so the, the doctrine of justification can be found in Article 4 of the Augsburg Confession. And what this says 
is that we are saved by our faith through grace. So God gives us grace and that empowers us to faith and that that is how we are saved and that there is nothing that our works can do to save us. Sometimes you might hear individuals saying, well, if I'm good enough, um, then God will save me or I am saved because I made a conscious choice, um, things like that. But in Lutheranism, we really say that no, um, it is God's grace and God is doing the work the entire time. There's nothing that we can do. Um, and God through the Holy Spirit gives us grace and that leads us to faith and that is what saves us ultimately. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and Jaron, as you uh, as you rightly noted, um, the the whole this whole doctrine justification um, by faith through grace is actually the central point of Lutheran theology, and then it becomes um, as and it also expands to other aspects of Protestant theology. But for Lutherans, that's something that um, was very crucial. Martin Luther. And we'll definitely explore more later in our episode on justification. But Luther had this revelation um, in a tower chamber of sorts. Um, and he was reading the book of Romans, um, Romans 1.17. The just or the righteous will live by faith. And that was a form of reprieve for Luther because he had a very afflicted conscience. So the fact that he ha- that he did not have to do a thing to earn God's grace was relief. And as we ex- and as we um, have alluded to, we will talk more about um, the whole Lutheran construct on justification uh, later on um, in future episodes. Yeah, I just think it's important to note that when you hear justification from a Lutheran, um, it is justification is asking the question, how are we made righteous before God? How are we saved by God? And so justification seeks to answer that. And um, today we've given you a little snapshot of what that looks like, and we'll dive into that in a later episode. But up next, I think this is actually your favorite topic, Thomas, when it comes to Lutheranism, and that is the theology of the cross, which, which undergirds most of Lutheran theology, but you might not hear about it really. And I would think a lot of lay people don't know too much about this either. So um, in a nutshell, um, so the, the, the cross is the central point of all of Christian theology. It's not just a Lutheran thing. It's not a, pro, a Presbyterian. It's not a Catholic. It's an all of Christianity. And it is through the cross of Christ that we are made righteous. It is through Christ. So, so this whole doctrine of justification is tied up with the cross. The cross is what paints the entire picture of the Christian faith. Um, in his uh, letter to the Romans, um, St. Paul writes talking about the cross and how the cross is foolishness to the Greeks and it's foolhardy to the Jews. Um, it's a stumbling block because the cross of Christ surpasses all wisdom. And actually, it's the cross where we see and encounter God. It is where it is on the cross where a humiliated, where a weakened and where a battered Christ, a battered God is glorified. Um, here, Christ 
reveals the true power of God on the cross. Um, and it's liberative because on this cross, Christ, the Son of God, takes the sin of the entire world and conquers death. It is liberative. Um, but also the cross, this death and resurrection of Christ is tied into another um, central aspect of Lutheranism, which is um, the sacraments. Uh, the cross is tied to baptism. With Christ, we are made new. So through Christ's death and resurrection, we as baptized people of faith are tied to this glorification. We are, be, we are heirs to God through Christ. Um, and then kind of talking about the theology of the cross, um, there's a school called, there are school of the people who started the cross called theologians of the cross. And also with that, with the theologians of the cross, you're naming what something is. You're naming sin and you're naming injustice. So you're calling out the wrongs in the world and that Christ plays a role in that. And it's also tied within um, the Lord's Prayer. Martin Lorman, um, Associate Professor of Lutheran Theology at um, our, one of our sister seminaries at Wartburg Theological Seminary, talks about how baptism, finding it. So he talks about this when talking about the cross and how it relates to baptism. Um, Lutheran spirituality thus includes a willingness to experience and redefine suffering. So there's something related to the cross and suffering in light of Christ's cross. The cross condemns sin and it promises life. Uh, and that's what um, the cross does. The cross names sin, takes it, and conquers it. And I, I think often you'll hear about this being juxtaposed with the theology of glory. That is true. Um, so in, in Lutheran theology, we do not start with the cross. We, in the, theologians of glory, start with the cross and make their argument forward. Lutherans historically, um, especially when giving a sermon, you don't start with the cross. You, don't, you do not start with Easter. You let me rephrase that. You work towards the resurrection, but, and you work towards the cross. You don't start with the cross. You, you work towards the cross because the cross is that focal point. The cross is the climax to the Christian faith. It's that point which we are going to and then from the cross, we go into resurrection. We go into that new life, which we find on Easter. Yeah, so the only, I think that was said beautifully. The only thing I would add to that is that Luther, in Lutheran theology, the cross is the central importance. Mm -hmm. Other Christian groups might highlight the resurrection is most important or the incarnation is most important to us. We really look to the cross and um, place ourselves at the foot of that cross to frame our entire theological uh, worldview because on that cross christ is glorified um and, yeah and that that leads us right into our sacraments as, as you said so beautifully uh, baptism we are all we are um we die and rise with christ 
if you think of the symbolism of baptism, you are lowered into the water and you are raised out of the water, you are dying and then being resurrected along with Christ. Mm-hmm. And in our, we believe with baptism that it imparts grace onto the individual being baptized and that uh, it provides the regeneration of sin. Mm-hmm. So your sins are washed away through baptism. Mm-hmm. And with also, also within the Lutheran faith too, um, we, we, we practice infant baptism, but we also do adult baptisms. Um, and when one is baptized, one is welcomed into the family of God, regardless. Yeah, um, it's really a beautiful sight. We, we really value baptism in uh, the Lutheran church because we believe that God is at work through the baptism. Mm-hmm. Um, so baptism is our first sacrament. We have two sacraments Um, The second sacrament being the Lord's Supper, Communion, Eucharist, um, where uh, we believe that uh, Christ becomes present in the bread and the wine um, as we um, partake in the Lord's Supper. That's the focal point of most Lutheran church services. Mm -hmm. And in the midst of pandemic, um, the sacrament is still there. The sacrament is still there. it's where we are spiritually fed, literally and spiritually fed, is through the sacrament. Yeah, in, in Lutheran theology, the sacraments are very central because we believe that's how you commune with God, mm-hmm. receive God's grace and forgiveness through the sacraments. I have, I have one quote that I want to read here um, from a reading by Keith Stanglin that I think will be very helpful Um, He provides a translation of Martin Luther's Babylonian captivity, and this is what Martin Luther says um, on pages 66 and 67 in Stanglin's work. Martin Luther says, we must be particularly careful to put aside whatever has been added to the sacrament's original simple institution by the zeal and devotion of men. Such things as vestments, ornaments, chants, prayers, organs, candles, and the whole pageantry of the outward things. We must turn our eyes and hearts simply to the institution of Christ and this alone. And so really what Martin Luther is saying here is that we need to focus mostly on what God is doing in the sacraments. We don't need to um, turn them into this big form of, I don't even know what you'd want to call that, turn them into some kind of distraction where the sacraments are downplayed. No, the sacraments are the central importance of Lutheranism, of Lutheran theology, and in our uh, Sunday worship services. Sacraments are the heart and soul of Lutheranism, because we believe that's how you encounter God in your day-to-day life. And as we said, we're going to dive into the sacraments later. Um, Jared and I have a classmate who will be joining us. We will have a special guest who will be joining us for a conversation on the sacraments. And that, that leads us right into uh, law and promise as well, um, or as uh, you might more commonly hear, law and gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so maybe you could start off by telling us what is the difference between law and promise and law and gospel? Why, why is it two different things? <laughs> so um, in the book of Confessions, the book of Concord, which uh, for Lutherans, that is our standard book of Confessions. Um, I am jumping ahead a bit. Um, but the Confessions, the Book of Concord, 
um, is what do Lutherans believe? What are the core tenets of Lutheranism? Um, and the, the, our confessions um, predate Luther, during Luther, and kind of, or with his um, theological legacy um, with that. So the gospel, according to confessions, is known as a promise. So when you hear law and gospel, law and promise, that's the same thing. Gospel is just another word for promise. Um, so with that is the law, the law condemns um, the law. And there are three folds of the law, which will be explored later. Um, and then the promise liberates us. So while the law condemns us, when we hear the gospel, when we hear the promise, that liberates us. Um, in fact, the Bible is structured, um, and this is also where some misconceptions arise, but the Bible is structured law and gospel. That's not to say you can't find gospel in the Old Testament. That's to say you can't find law in the New Testament. Um, Huso Gonzalez, um, a church historian from Yale, Univer um, from Yale University, um, in his book, The Story of Christianity from the Reformation to the Modern Time, actually looks at these misconceptions. Um, and in fact, Luther talks about this too as well, is both the Old and New Testament have bits of law and bits of gospel. So it's, um, and another thing that uh, we'll like to mention about Lutheranism, there is very much a both and-ness to most of our answers. So when a Lutheran on average is asked a question about a topic, they'll on the large give a both and answer because Lutheran theology is very much about dialectical tension. And that's manifested through Holy Scripture, that there, that fact you have law and you have gospel together. And some, it, and another misconception is do not make the gospel law. The law is there and the gospel is there. However, their intention, one cannot be imputed on the other and vice versa. Um, they're distinct, but their intention, they're in conversation with each other. Um, again, the gospel or the, the gospel is promised, it's liberative, it's free. Um, another way of framing it, it's a word of judgment and it's a word of grace. Yeah. And, and um, you can't have one without the other. So you huh. need the law there to say you are a sinful human being, you are fallen, and you are far from perfect. And the gospel's there to say, it's okay, Christ died on the cross. Remember, the cross is the central part, took the sins upon the world and dealt with them once and for all. And thus you are freed to be a beloved child of God. And so you need both of those together. And you cannot, if you have, uh, God, if you just work entirely on the gospel without the law, you have an incomplete picture mm -hmm. of what the reign of God looks like. And Jaron, and that was said perfectly. And tying into that, tying into the cross, it's this promise. It's this promise of forgiveness of sins, and it's through. And it's we, we from that we are, we become justified through Christ, which is that is good news. The fact that when we hear this liberating message of the gospel of Christ speaking to us. We are freed from the from from sin, and that's good news. And um, that ties into us being saved, but not entirely. 
No. Uh, we are not. we have been saved, we are being saved, and we will ultimately be saved in the future. Um, and so we're we we're saved now in this present life, but we will be saved later in the coming of the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Which that's also a dialectical tension Luther Lutheranism likes to hold on to. A very um, already but not yet. Um, yeah. Which I think that's helpful, um, but kind of an age where answers are wanted, answers are expected. Um, that I want to say that uncertainty, but that ambiguity. That ambiguity, yeah, I think that's a, that's a very helpful word. That ambiguity isn't helpful. Yeah, I. I... People might get sometimes get upset with Lutheranism because we think that God is so mysterious and so undefinable, yet so definable with Christ. But mm-hmm. God is still so majestic, and um, we we don't know the inner workings of God. We're not meant to. That that's that's above our pay grade, so to speak. And so Lutheranism is very okay with dialectical tension, mm-hmm. with ambiguity, with nuance. And it's very okay to hear a Lutheran say, I don't know, though, that's, that's God's business. Mm-hmm. And we're not supposed to know everything. Um, very much resisting that sin of certainty that mm-hmm. uh, we have to know everything about God 100% in this life. Mm-hmm. And as, uh, and as a good friend of mine once said before sometimes i don't know is a very faithful answer amen amen to that um jared would you mind talking to us about how do lutherans view the bible because i know that that's another question that one can ask a lutheran depending if, if one makes a proclamation they are a lutheran well how do you interpret the bible where where do lutherans start with the bible well, I, I think it's important to note first that among different groups of Lutherans, you'll get different answers. Mm-hmm. Um, some Lutherans uh, read the Bible through a more histor- uh, historical critical lens, others through a more historical grammatical lens. Some pronounce inerrancy, others don't. But the one thing all Lutherans can agree on um, is that Christ is the word of God. The Bible mm-hmm. says that Jesus is the word of God. Uh, just look in John 1. Jesus is the word of God. The Bible is a word of God, lowercase w. Jesus is the word of God, uppercase w. Mm -hmm. What the Bible does is the Bible provides words that point to the word Jesus. Jesus is the word and the Bible points us to Jesus. So we don't have faith in the Bible. We have faith in Jesus and the Bible helps point us towards that faith. Mm -hmm. Um, kind of uh, to go back to two of the terms you mentioned um, for our leaders or listeners who may not be familiar with those, when you say um, some Lutherans read the Bible in a very historical critical lens and others read it in a very historical grammatical lens, um, what does that mean? Are, are, are these loaded terms we should know or kind of what does that mean? So those terms are very much used by Bible scholars and theologians alike. Um, when I say historical critical, these kind of Lutherans look at the Bible as literature. Um, it's inspired by God, but um, you shouldn't use the Bible as a science textbook or a history textbook. That's not what the Bible's there for, um, and that'll lead you astray. The, the Bible's there as truth to point us towards Christ, and thus is our foundation in spiritual matters, not so much in social studies or science. Uh, those in the historical grammatical school 
uh, are more likely to pronounce inerrancy, that the Bible is 100% correct in whatever it says. So mm -hmm. if the Bible says that um, there was a Garden of Eden on earth and that Adam and Eve were the first human beings, um, then they assume that that's 100% how it happened, or that there was a flood and um, before the foundation of the world, there was a flood and only a handful of individuals survived on an ark. They, they believe that that's historically accurate. Not, not saying that's a bad thing, but that's just two different approaches. Mm -hmm. Those in the historical critical camp would say, hey, these are stories. Genesis is a story. And that's supposed to lead us to faith in God. It's not so much a historical reality, if that makes sense. Maybe you could add more insight to that as well, Thomas. Um, I could probably add a little bit more to that. Um, his, most historical critical scholars do not diminish the Bible. Um, I have training in the historical critical field, um, but I, I think the historical, in my view, the historical critical allows for a fuller appreciation of the Bible by looking at it as a vast library that God revealed God's self to humanity. And I think it's a way of understanding of how, how did ancient communities, much like Martin Luther understand the Bible, how did the ancient communities that, um, that composed these stories, how, what was their understanding of God like? And when Martin Luther, when he was uh, doing his, um, his master's work, when he was becoming a priest and was becoming a, when he got his doctrine of theology and his fun fact, his doctorate of theology was in biblical scholarship. Uh, he, um, he, he was reading these within his own context. And I think that's kind of, and that's how the historical critical method is built is like he, Martin Luther was reading the Bible in his own context with, with acknowledging kind of the communities that developed it. Um, slightly anachronistic though, but like how we now, when we apply the historical critical method, when we look at the Bible as scripture and as stories, we're seeing how, how do these ancient communities compile these wonderful texts, this, this library of texts, and how does that apply to us now? And from the Lutheran perspective, where can we find Christ in these stories? Um, a, an example of this is um, finding Christ in the creation story that um, in one of the key elements of Lutheran theology and most Christian theology is the Trinity, which that will be explored in a different podcast at a different time. But the Trinity is uh, the Godhead, the Father, Son, or Holy Spirit, and other um, other alternative names are interchangeable but like the, 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 the basics is um, the Trinity was responsible in creation. The word, which is Jesus, was in the beginning with God and created with God. Um, then that's a little tangent or rabbit hole, but it's kind of like the in the historical critical, we're looking at how these stories were composed and what did it mean for those um, ancient communities back then. And how then when we read these stories in our context, what is that modern application? Yeah, and that that keyword context. So, what was the story doing? What was the story doing for those writers back then? And then, what is that story doing for us today? Um, and 
also applying things like archaeology and history and so what what we know about the past how does that fit in with what's going on in this story and then that then we can also apply that to luther too is when luther is making is when luther is writing these um, these treatises and these tracts and these pamphlets, not just for himself or for his patron, but he's also writing them for the wider community. Martin Luther also had a context. Um, and I'll caveat this. Some of the things that Martin Luther wrote are despicable. Um, there, are certain Luther, there are some Lutheran churches that have denounced certain writings by Martin Luther, and there have been public apologies made um, yeah, so I think when, when we're talking about context, um, people were writing in a certain time at a certain place with a certain um, certain bias, um, and that, that had an influence on their work, and Martin Luther was no stranger to that, especially in his later lives when his, um, when his writings became more virulent, became more volatile, became more troubling. Um, and as I mentioned, some Lutheran churches have um, wholeheartedly denounced some of the writings that Martin Luther has produced. Um, yeah. And uh, I think that leads perfectly into our last topic, which is the confessions, which interestingly enough, Lutheranism does not subscribe wholly to what Martin Luther wrote. We only subscribe, we only place some of Martin Luther's writings as authoritative. Mm-hmm. We do not accept all Martin Luther wrote. We do not accept Martin Luther as a prophet or as a god. We don't worship Martin Luther. Instead, we we follow the theology that Martin Luther inspired. Um, and as we think uh, that Martin Luther really um, found in the early church parents in the early stages of Christianity and rediscovered it in the Middle Ages for us to continue to uh, have today. Mm-hmm. And when I was talking about uh, the confessions earlier, uh, so the main, um, the whole collection of the confessions that when pastors or deacons go for their ordination vows, they, um, one of their vows is teaching and preaching in accordance with the confessions. So first off, Jaron, before we talk about the Lutheran confessions, what is a confession? A confession, like, in Christianity, you might think of confession as I'm going to confess my sins. Mm-hmm. But at this time, when Lutherans are writing about the confessions, what they are saying is this is what we confess to believe. And so the book of confessions um, really is just a book about what we believe as Lutherans. It's the mm-hmm. foundation of our theology. For example, um, you will find that it says that the Bible is our foundation for all doctrine. So if anything disagrees with the Bible, well, then it's not going to work in our theology. Um, So the book of confessions really highlights what it means to believe in Lutheran theology. And Jaron, kind of tying into that, um, what was considered the first um, real confession of the Lutheran church? Because we have, uh, yeah, so what was the um, first confession of the Lutheran church? Well, there, there were a couple in the beginning in small regions, but when the, there was some disagreements, and so Luther's followers, fellow reformers with Luther, came together, and they wrote what is known as the Augsburg Confession, and that is the central confession 
um, upon which everything else is built. You'll have things like the formula of Concord and the small called articles and the apology of the Augsburg Confession, all of that. But the Augsburg Confession is the first document that individuals came and subscribed to. And what happened was um, these reformers like Philip Melanchthon, who did most of the writing of the Augsburg Confession came together, wrote out the Augsburg Confession saying, this is what we believe. Uh, they were known as the evangelical party right then. They weren't known as Lutherans. And anyone who subscribed to this Augsburg Confession came to be known as the Church of the Augsburg Confession. Mm -hmm. um, they were not known as Lutherans at this time. So in the very beginning, what the groups that would become Lutherans were known as the Church of the Augsburg Confession because they subscribed wholly to the Augsburg Confession written by Philip Melanchthon and other reformers. Mm -hmm. And that is, that is very correct, very well said. Um, and there are some Lutheran churches that don't subscribe to um, the Book of Confessions or otherwise known as the Book of Concord since it was what most Lutheran churches agreed to. Um, however, they're still Lutheran. So um, kind of wrapping into that, so then what are we saying is the centrality of or is there a centrality to Lutheranism? Because there's a lot of things that make up Lutheranism, but what would the baseline uh, Lutheranism be? Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting question because some of the more conservative Lutheran churches would say our baseline is the confessions. The confessions are inerrant, they're perfect, they're the best interpretation of the Bible. Whereas uh, the church you and me are a part of um, and other more moderate to progressive churches would say we acknowledge the spirit behind the confessions, we agree with the intent of the confessions, but they're not inerrant. Um, the Bible is our sole authority and the confessions are um, solely one of the top options of interpreting the Bible. They're not, they're, they're not perfect. And so with those, it becomes a question of, well, then what is the central aspect of Lutheranism? And for me, I would say it's justific justification by faith through grace. And that is the central aspect of Lutheranism to me. That's what I believe forms the foundation of Lutheran identity. Mm -hmm. And I would agree as well. And I think, and I, I, justification is, the, is probably the most correct answer um, with that. Um, Jaren, is there anything else? I, 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 I think what you'll find is that as we progress through these episodes, you're going to be encountering a lot of interesting things about Lutheranism. So mm -hmm. we say that justification is the bedrock of our faith, but there's so much more to Lutheranism that than most people realize. And we hope you stick around because we have some really special episodes coming out talking about justification and sacraments and the confessions, and it's going to be a really great time. Mm -hmm. So thank you again for coming to our episode on what is Lutheranism, uh, kind of finding out more of the basics of uh, Lutheran theology, Martin Luther, as well as the theological legacy of him and his allies. Uh, I'm Thomas. And I'm Jaron. And we will see y'all next week. Take care. Bye. Have a wonderful week.